The passage of scripture that Reverend Swan has chosen this morning is from the prophet Micah, the fourth chapter. They are beautiful words, and I invite you to hear them now. In the days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of the mountains. It will be lifted above the hills, and people will stream to it. Many nations will go and say, come, let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob's God, so that he may teach us his ways and we may walk in his paths. Instruction will come from Zion and the Lord's word from Jerusalem. God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations from far away. They will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will no longer take up sword against nations, and they will not teach themselves the ways of war. All will sit underneath their own grapevines, under their own fig trees. There will be no one to terrify them, for the mouth of the Lord of heavenly forces has spoken. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, good morning. I would just like to take a moment to give our music department some appreciation this morning. I'm not bragging when I say this, it's just factual. I think that there is no better music in St. Louis on Sunday mornings than right here. Well, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name's Reverend Terry Swan, and I'm delighted to have you here this morning. And I just want to tell you all, I'm glad to be home. Uh, many of you know that I was leading a trip to Israel, the Holy Land, this last week or so, actually 12 days. And um, the day we were supposed to lead, leave was another big snowstorm was coming in, only this time it was the east. December 2nd was the day. And uh, so I arrived at noon at the airport just in time to check in and all of this. And, and when I checked my bag in, that was the last I saw of that. And um, I checked my bag in and he said, you know, there's a storm in the east. And I said, yes, sir. He said, good luck. <laughs> well, later on that day, my flight was canceled twice. And, um, and so we had all of these candidates for ministry. That was my job, to get the candidates for ministry a part of this trip to the Holy Land. And I was to be their guide, and I was supposed to take care of them. And, um, and so we managed to get all of the candidates for ministry and their wives onto the one plane that was headed to Newark, except for four people, three of which were candidates. And the bishop looked at me and said, you get them to Tel Aviv. And what, is your, what do you do when your bishop tells you to do something? You say, yes, sir, right? <laughs> and, um, and so I did get them to Tel Aviv through Toronto to Frankfurt to Tel Aviv. <laughs> and in Toronto, I was told that that is when I was told that my luggage was missing. And so I thought, okay. I'll get some souvenirs. I need some clothes. So um, I got Canada. <laughs> I got Germany. <laughs> and when I arrived 
to Israel, my daughter had this t-shirt because she knew I was really in love at Israel, with Israel that, at that moment. <laughs> I love Israel. But I did make it to Tel Aviv. Now, I am kind of grateful. Pastor Sean was on the trip, and he wanted to get me a t-shirt. And I'm very glad that Laura talked him out of it because it was a Guns and Moses t-shirt. <laughs> Let's just say it will be a trip. It will take a long time to forget that trip. It, it was a trip I will always remember. I uh, took the long way to Israel, but I made it, right? It's a lot of our faith journeys too, right? We take the long way sometimes around, but we make it. It was special to be in the Holy Land during this time of year, this season of Advent, the season of hope and peace and love and joy, season of anticipation. And, and so standing in the streets of Bethlehem, anticipating the birth of Christ once again, standing in the fields where the shepherds traditionally have been said to, to, to have been, and amongst the caves, anticipating the birth of Christ once again. And standing with my feet in the River Jordan, anticipating the proclamation of one that would come. It was a beautiful moment in my faith journey, even though it took me a long time to get there. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, touch our minds and our hearts today that we would hear what you have to say for us. I ask, oh God, that you would proclaim your good news for me. Help me to get out of the way so that your word can be spoken. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, we're in this sermon series right now, Two Stories, One Christmas, in which we're kind of looking at the two gospels that talk about the birth of Christ. That's the gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. And we're talking about some of the similarities that we experience and some of the differences in the two stories. Now, Matthew gives us the perspective of Joseph. And Luke gives us the perspectives of Mary because perspectives are important, correct? They're important in our interpretation. But these stories, over time, Christians have fused these stories together into the Christmas story that we tell each and every year. And there's some connections that are made from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And I've heard many people say along my faith journey that, well, the New Testament came along and it replaced the Old Testament. And that's simply not true. You see, the New Testament is a continuation of God's story. It's the connection that we see between the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, Christians believe God had one plan of salvation that was revealed through the Israelites, God's chosen people, and then to all people through the fulfillment, Jesus Christ. The New Testament and the Old Testament tell this ongoing story of salvation, a story for you and a story for me and a story for all people. Now, at the same time, the authors of the New Testament and the Old Testament were proposing these same kind of understandings, the New Testament was actually bringing in something radically new in our understanding. It was the new covenant, the new promise, 
Jesus' fulfillment of the Israelites' hope in God's promises. Now, just this last week, Reverend Adam Hamilton, who is the pastor of um, Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City, gave a sermon on this very topic, on the prophets. And I did listen to that sermon, and his sermon is 40 minutes long. I didn't think you wanted to hear all of his sermon. But I will glean a little bit from him this morning and tell you a little bit about the prophets and some of the history that he lifted up. There are 17 prophets that have a book in the Bible. And the major prophets being Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. Those are the major prophets, and then the rest of them are considered minor prophets, and basically because they have a shorter book or a shorter story in the Bible. Now, many people think that prophets were the ones that would foretell the future. They would give these proclamations and foretell what was yet to be. But a prophet simply was a person who spoke the declarations of God and many times spoke into the present in which they were living. Um, prophets had bizarre and peculiar ways. They would um, proclaim God's promises through um, action many times. Remember the prophet that wore the yoke to signify that, that slavery needed to be broken. All of those things, they, they would do this in peculiar ways. But they were God's voice during a difficult time, a time in which the people had turned away from God's ways. Their message was primarily over and over again, repent, turn back, hold on to God, don't turn away from him. The prophets denounced the injustice that surrounded them. The prophets denounced the, the idolatry that was prevalent in the culture of, today, of their day. And I would say the prophets have something to say to us as well, right? Idolatry and injustice still are things that society is dealing with. But they did not just scold the people. They brought messages of hope. The prophet Micah, that Pastor Deb wrote, read this uh, proclamation, this declaration of God. We hear a hope of a future in that. We hear a hope for us. Even though the prophets spoke to their present time, and many times they are, the, the prophecy was fulfilled during their time, these proclamations are for us as well. These promises are for us as well. The people needed to hear hope, and we need to hear hope. Amen? Amen? You know, Hamilton lifted up some of the things that the people of the prophet's time were dealing with. In 930 B.C., the kingdoms were split in half. The northern kingdom was Israel. The southern kingdom was Judah. And these kingdoms were always in danger of being attacked by the dominant force. And history showed that there were different forces that were dominant at different times. We had the Assyrians, we had the Babylonians. All of them were very dominant forces. In the time of Jesus, who was the dominant force? Romans, right? And so um, kings or kingdoms would pay tribute. They would pay tribute to the dominant force in the way of money to keep peace 
to keep those dominant forces away. And they would pay these until their treasuries were depleted. And where do you think they got the money to pay those kingdoms? The people, right? Thus, the prophet spoke of the injustice. They gave the warnings. If you keep this up, it's not going to bode well for you. If you continue to turn away from God and, and pay tribute to these, these forces, this is, this is not going to end up well. And that's exactly what happened. They did not listen. And in 722 B.C., the Assyrians wiped out the northern kingdom. And then in 586 B.C., Babylon took the southern kingdom and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem and exiled the people from their homeland. Now, generation after generation read these words, even though the prophet's prediction was for the people of that time, the Jewish people continued to read these words because history tends to repeat itself, right? And the prophet's call was to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. The prophet's call was to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. The Old Testament prophets spoke of a king, a king that would rule with the authority of God. The king would be a descendant of David, and like a shepherd, he would lead his people. But before he came, there would be a messenger that would prepare the way. Now we know of a king that led like a shepherd. Who was that? Jesus. And the one that would prepare the way? John the Baptist. So I invite you to turn to Isaiah. That's going to be in your pew Bible. And it will be actually on page 879 in your pew Bible. We're going to be reading from the prophet Isaiah chapter 40. And hear what he has to say for the people of that time and to us as well. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak compassionately to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her compulsory service has ended, that her penalty has been paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. You hear Isaiah speaking to the exiles. They needed to hear a word of encouragement and a word of hope because the prophet's message was to bring them good news of forgiveness. Amen. He was bringing them good news of forgiveness. No longer would they have to worry would they ever be able to return home. He was giving them reconciliation and restoration. Their tribute had been paid. The exile was going to be over. The sad days done. Their words sustained, these words sustained them during this time. And they sustain us as well. Because I don't know about you, but I've seen darkness in this world just as it was in the time of the prophets. Amen? Yeah. And so we continue on. A voice is crying out, clear the Lord's way in the desert. Make a level highway in the wilderness for our God. Every valley will be raised up and every mountain and hill will be flattened. 
Uneven ground will become level and rough terrain a valley plain. The Lord's glory will appear and all humanity will see it together. I love that. See it together. The Lord's mouth has commanded it. Now the prophet very well could have been speaking about the highway from Babylon to Judah. That it was all going to be made smooth and all the people would be together. But he has a word for us as well in this. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. So we go on to verse 6. A voice was saying, call out. And another said, what should I call out? All flesh is grass and all its loyalty is like the flowers of the field. The grass dried up and the flowers withered when the Lord's breath blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass dries up, the flowers wither. But our God's words will exist forever. You hear that promise? For our God's word will exist forever. Go up on a high mountain, messenger Zion. Raise your voice and shout, messenger Jerusalem. Raise it, don't be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. Here is the Lord God coming with strength, with a triumphant arm, bringing his reward with him and his payment before him. And let's say the last verse together if you want to join with me. Like a shepherd, God will tend the flock. He will gather lambs in his arms and lift them onto his lap. He will gently guide the nursing ewes. You hear those words of comfort? You hear that promise of God? You see, a messenger is coming to prepare the way, he said. Now we have to put this in context just a little bit. When a king was headed into a new area, a new territory, or a new city, there would be someone that would go ahead of the king, and he would prepare the way. He would shout, the king is coming, the king is coming. And in that, people would need to make ready. They would need to clean things up, tidy the city. What do you do when you have someone coming to your house as a guest? If you're like my household, you pick up the dog toys. You maybe dust off a few things and run the vacuum cleaner, tidy up a bit, make sure your house is presentable, right? And that is what this announcement was. The king is coming, the king is coming. Make ready. Get your heart ready. Prepare for the king will be here. And in the Gospels, this messenger or forerunner was identified, as we said, as John the Baptist. Who was John the Baptist? He was Jesus' cousin, right? And he had a proclamation to give. He was the messenger, the forerunner. He was going to prepare the way for the Messiah, Jesus the King, the Prince of Peace. He was preparing the way, and he was preaching a sermon of repentance. Get your heart ready. Clean up your act Get ready for the king is coming. The king is coming. And people from all over the region were flocking to the River Jordan to hear this message. So if you want to turn to the Gospel of Luke now, chapter 3, we'll see how the, the prophet, the word, connects to the New Testament gospel good news. Luke chapter 3, and that is going to be on page... 
1247 in your pew Bible. 1247. In the 15th year of the rule of the Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea and Herod was ruler over Galilee, and his brother Philip was ruler over Ituria and Trachonitis and Licinius, I should just say Charlie, George, and James, because, you know, those words are just difficult. And he was ruler over Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas, and Caiaphas. God's word came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. Now, why did they do that? They, they lift this up because they want you to know what time. Herod, Herod was the ruler. It says that the emperor was Tiberius. This, this gives you a time frame of when this happened. And so it says, it came to John, son of Zechariah, into the wilderness. Now, the, the River Jordan is very close to the wilderness. It's just a little bus ride away. Um, and you can imagine that people would have been coming in from Jericho and Bethlehem and all of those places and moving toward the River Jordan. People were coming from all over the region to hear what John had to say. John went throughout the region of the Jordan River calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and wanted God to forgive their sins. This is just as it is written in the scroll of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley will be filled and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The crooked will be made straight and the rough places made smooth and all humanity will see God's salvation. You hear the connection between the Old Testament prophets' words and proclamations and promises and how John the Baptist was proclaiming those same promises. Now, John would wear a, an odd outfit he would wear what the prophets used to wear to grab the attention he had on camel's hair, it says in the scripture. And, and so he, was, he knew what the prophets had proclaimed and he wanted the people to see the connection of who was coming, the Messiah was coming. And so he was making ready. He was telling people, clean up your act. Get your highway leveled out, okay? Get your path smooth because the king is coming. And that really, church, is what Advent is about. It's about preparing. It's about anticipating the season of hope. It's about preparing for the king to come once again in our hearts and in the future. Because we are promised that Jesus Christ will come again. So no matter what generation hears these words, they have, they have meaning for us. Now, people were, were flocking to the Jordan back then, and it's no different today. People are flocking from all over the world to dip their feet or hands into the River Jordan. No matter how cold it is, people are being immersed in that water and remembering their baptism Remembering that they are forgiven, that they are loved, that they are God's child.
and there are tears of love pouring from them when they come up out of this water. Not this trip, but the trip before. I had um, the wonderful pleasure of baptizing two that had, pil- had made a pilgrimage to the River Jordan. They'd never been baptized before, and they had accepted the gift of salvation, and, and they had recognized our group that was there remembering their baptism. And they came to me and they said, would you baptize me? What a gift. What a gift. It will be something I will forever remember. People still pilgrimage to the River Jordan. They still come up out of the water changed. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that we do not have to go to Israel. We do not have to go to the River Jordan to put our feet into the saving grace of Jesus Christ. We can accept God's love and God's forgiveness right here, anywhere in the world, because his promises are for all people, no matter what region, no matter what gender, no matter what has happened in their life, God's grace is for everyone. Because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of God's promises. Christmas reminds us that God keeps his promises. Can you say that? God keeps his promises. Time and time again we've seen this. We've seen this. The prophet's words are relevant for us today. No matter what generation God is with us. God keeps his promises of life and love and of hope. God says, I am there with you. No matter what you're going through, I will be with you. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. And for those who accept this gift of salvation, their lives are changed. And the promise is fulfilled. Now, we may take a long way around to get there, right? Collect all kinds of T-shirts on the way. But the gift's waiting. It's waiting there for everyone. Christmas is a foreshadowing of the world that is yet to come when Christ the Messiah reigns in the hearts of all people. All people. We need messengers to prepare the way, amen? We need messengers to declare, just as the prophets did, and just as John the Baptist did, to announce the king is coming, the king is coming. That's the joy that we have in our heart on this Advent season. We are, have this, this task of preparing the way, just as John the Baptist did. One of my favorite memories of Salem over these last 10 years that I have served here is the little girl Adeline who sat right back here in our 1045 service. She's probably middle school now. She still comes. She's not here this morning, but she's getting close to that middle school age bracket now. And when we would have children's time right here at these steps, she would yell, 
all the way from the back, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, all the way down until she got here, right? That's right. That's right. She's I'm coming. Church, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had that kind of excitement? The king is coming, the king is coming, the king is coming. Wouldn't it be great if every Advent season that, that we shared that with everyone we met? Because in that, have you ever wondered that you have a prophet's job as well? That the promise is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but how is he going to fulfill it for the future? How is he going to con con continue to proclaim that he's coming back again? It's through us, right? We're preparing the way. We're preparing the way for people who do not know Jesus to know an amazing hope, to know an amazing love, to know an amazing joy, and an overwhelming peace. People today need to hear the promises of God. Amen? Just like those in exile long ago, they need to hold on to hope. And people today need to know that the gift of salvation is for them. Amen. Now every year when I go to the Jordan, I bring back some water. They used to sell it in a big jar. Now they sell it this size. <laughs> this water is from the Jordan River. You know... It's just water, right? But it connects a story, just like the Old Testament prophet's words connected to the story that is proclaimed in the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ and just how that story will continue on, right? Through you and through me. And so I put a little bit of the Jordan in here. And during the song that we sing, our closing hymn, I invite you, if you want to come up and touch the water and pray, feel free. If you want to wait until the service is over and come up and touch the water, feel free. But know that this is offered to all. The baptismal waters is offered to every person and for those of us who have already been baptized, we are to remember the greatest gift ever given, the promise fulfilled, Jesus Christ. Amen.